welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Today, I'm joined by Brandon Johnson. He'll be sharing his experience with male factor infertility and his path to parenthood. Brandon is a licensed social worker and offers counseling to individuals and couples dealing with infertility. To connect with him on Instagram, you can reach him at brandon.therapist. His details will also be in the show notes. So welcome, Brandon, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be a part of you. Thank you. And uh, to start off, please tell us a little bit about, uh, little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm Brandon. I experienced my own infertility journey uh, when I realized that I couldn't have children. And that inspired me to help other men and couples and uh, women as well, because it's a lonely journey and nobody should go through this alone. And we also like to keep it secret and we feel ashamed and we become made severely depressed. Right. And that's not the way to live our lives. So that's why I started infertility counseling and helping people overcome the grief and loss of it. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank like you. you said, we shouldn't deal with this alone. No one should. So I'm so glad to hear that uh, you support people and just let them know that they're all just dealing with it as well. So thank you so much. Yes, no problem. <laughs> and how did you find out that you were dealing with male factor infertility? Would you say that proper investigations were done or how, how did you? Uh, yes. So um, I got married in 2011. And, mm -hmm. you know, you had that honeymoon period and then you wait till a few years to have children. Right. We weren't necessarily preventing children, but it wasn't happening. And so after about a year, we're like, something's wrong. And then my wife went and got tested. And I was like, my family is very fertile. So my pride was up. And I'm like, we have children all the time. Just in the last week, I got two pregnancy announcements. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it took me about another six months to join the battle with her because everything for her kept coming back fine, but we still weren't getting pregnant. Um, after that, I did um, two semen analysis and an ultrasound. And then I was referred to another doctor where I did another semen analysis and an ultrasound. Hmm. And it was still just coming back fragmented. And I'm not able to get a healthy sperm. The doctor said he could do a biopsy, but it wouldn't guarantee anything. And then at that point, I just called it a day. Um, and I had to reflect on my genetics and realize that there's a few people in my family who never had children. Mm. And maybe this is more genetic than actual um, there's a problem. Right. And so 
I took it the genetic route because during my infertility journey, I lost a lot of weight. I was 300 something pounds. Um, so I lost weight and at the time we started trying, I got down to 230 pounds. Wow, that's a lot. Yes. And so, you know, health-wise, I was feeling the best I ever felt in my life. Hmm. And so I just kind of took it there. Right. Did you, yeah. Did you speak to any of the other family members that you said that you realized never actually had children? Did you? Um, Well, one is an uncle. Okay. Um, he still won't say anything about it. Hmm. And he's quiet about it to cover up. He always wanted children, but to cover it up, he's always dated women with children. Oh, yeah. And he get the feeling of being a father. Hmm. Even though he never had any other on of his own. So he is the only other male I found. The rest are female. Okay. And um, some have went on to adopt. And others have lived a life child-free. Right. And when you found out that you had male factor infertility, how how did that make you feel? How did it impact you? Oh, Ola, I cried. Mm-hmm. I cried. Um, um, it made me severely depressed. And I felt less than a man because um, being able to reflect on it now, primarily thinking everyone should be able to produce a child. You yeah. know, that's our purpose is populate the earth, right? Mm. And if we can't populate the earth, then why are we here? So that was my thought at the time. And being around other men, especially men who had children, I just started feeling inadequate and didn't want to be around it. And and not being around, um, you just become depressed and you live in your own head. Yeah. So less than a man, I didn't want to um, work. I didn't want to do anything. I felt going to school was pointless because you go to school to take care of a family. Right. Um, and everything I worked for, why why did it happen? Why did it occur? just for me not to have children naturally. So that was my initial thoughts. And what changed, what changed your, your thinking, your thought process? You have to face it eventually. Um, so I end up trying to talk about it. Um, my wife kept encouraging me to try to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. So I'm like, okay. I have a cousin I'll confide in. And he told everybody. Oh, wow. By him telling everybody, it forced me to confront it. Because, and honestly, I was looking for a therapist and couldn't find one. Um, all the therapists I kept finding were female-based. You mm. know. And there was none specifically for male infertility. And so he forced me to start talking about it and start opening up about it. 
in a way that I wasn't quite ready to, mm. but he made me. Um, because at that point, I went from receiving barely any phone calls to all my family calls. Oh my, yeah. And, um, and I was like, yo, I'm okay. I'm okay. Life is, life is good. You know, it's just a struggle right now. You know, and everyone telling me the doctors are wrong. And I'm like, I don't know if they're wrong in this case. That's too many times. Right. All I can do is keep using my insurance and spending money that I don't have to keep getting the same result at this point. And so that's what made me come to face to face with it. And like you said, I just wonder why we, um, why men are made to, or maybe somehow the society makes us seem like if you can't have children that you're less of a man because I mean, it's not just you thinking that it's a lot of people thinking that in sense because it's the way we've been made to believe that you know yeah um men haven't been taught to feel we're we're trained and taught the opposite you know we're trained not to feel don't be emotional so anything abnormal happens, yeah. Um, we go into this place of, I don't deserve to be here, or this isn't where I belong. Or, and so when it comes really down to infertility, it almost becomes a measure of the genitalia. It's like, what was, what's the point? I can't give children or I can't do this. Um, so when you think of it that way, you start feeling worthless. And culturally, um, actually this is the world now, is that everyone puts so much emphasis on sex. Yeah. And the um, ability to just to have children that when it doesn't happen, we're left in this world where um, we're confused and nothing said ever having a child was guaranteed exactly right right so even the bible has stories of infertility hmm. and so and i'm pretty sure every other major religion has the same story as well yeah so how do we change this thinking how do we change this incorrect information that we pass on from generation to generation? Honestly, we need to break the stigma. Um, we need to break the stigmas cross-cultural and quit trying to be so man manly of a man and just be the man that you are. Um, right. I'm not sure how it is in Nigeria. Oh. But what I can say is um, in America that almost all men look alike and not physically, but they dress alike, same um, personalities, um, you know, almost a shared thought of this tough guy, tough, rugged guy, whatever yeah. portrayed in um, media. And very few 
stand out to be who they really are or who they want to be. Mm. And when we do get someone who stand out, what do we do? We call them weird or yeah. outcast. And in fact, that person has truly understands themselves and who they are. And we need to allow people just to be who they are and quit trying to fit into this societal mold and be who they are. Yeah. Well said. In Nigeria, I mean, just like you said, you know, again, you always, you always hear things like be a man. Um, you have to be strong now. You have to be a man. You're a man. You shouldn't cry. Like men don't do this. Like it's all like this unattainable level of uh, maybe expectations. Just, just not reality. You know, even when things happen and the guy wants to cry, people are saying, no, you can't. You can't. And then it's like, well, what's the outlet then? If you can't cry when you have, when you're you're in pain, how is people expected to to deal with their emotions and their struggles and their pain? Exactly, and then that pain comes out. It's gonna come out. Right. It's gonna come through violence, verbal abuse. It, it's gonna manifest somehow, some way. It's just a matter of who will it manifest against, because they weren't able to get it out. Yeah, and. It's tough. We're looking at a violent world because the world is full of pain. And yeah. we're not healing. Um, and I don't know who or if there's a country that is healing or yeah. countries that have less violence than others, but in some ways we're still hurting each other. Yeah, it seems like everywhere. It's, yeah. I, I stopped watching the news because it's just one bad thing after another. It's just, it's hard to keep digesting that on a daily basis. Just... Yeah. And you don't get a break from it. No. So it's, um... That's the hardest part. Yeah, and now then adding infertility to it, which just makes it so hard. And I have come across a, quite a few women that have um, male factor infertility. And in many cases, the men don't want to talk about it. You know, I keep, they keep saying, how do I get him to, to speak? How do I get him to seek help? I mean, firstly, in Nigeria, it's, people assume that any fertility issues has to do with the female. So you'll hear, I mean, it's not uncommon to hear of cases where the woman keeps getting tested, trying different things, and no one has even tested the guy yet. Because again, there's an assumption that because the woman carries the pregnancy, if there's a delay or it's not happening, then it has to be her. And even when you get the, so, and, and there's a lot of, in some cases, there's additional cultural issues that people might put a lot of pressure, that if it's not happening and the family members want to see grandchildren. And so if it's not happening, then is this a lot of pressure that perhaps another woman should come into the picture, someone else that can make it happen. And then, you know, I've heard of cases where eventually then you find out that it was a male factor. And um, what do you do then when you've, you've disrupted the family all in this whole purpose of trying to find this child, and then later on, you find out that it was a guy. Anyway, I'm like, it's, I mean, it's no one's fault anyway. So I really don't think 
we should be saying it's one person's problem or the other. But it's just that there's just so much pressure. So whenever a guy finds out that he's the one, I don't think it's easy to even come out and accept it because the society expects it to be the female. Oh, you had a lot of cultural information in that question. Yeah. Um, I know, sorry. <laughs> it was all around because I was <laughs> thinking out loud and then it just, yeah. It made me think um, about a few things. But um, first, um, selfishly, I want to say have them talk to me. Talk to um, you? But yeah, of course. It's, it's great to talk to you because, you know, you've dealt with it and it's, right. it's good to talk to someone that understands, yeah. So um, selfishly, I would say me, but talk to someone who understands and who's been through it. Yeah. And someone who can help them through their ego. Yeah. Because part of the pain is ego-based. Part of it is true depression. Um, and realizing that you won't directly pass down your bloodline. Right. And um, for your culture, when they bring in another woman, yeah. which never be allowed over here. Yeah. Um, it's really trying to pass down your bloodline. But right. at some point we have to separate bloodline from traditions. And what are we really trying to pass down? Um, the bloodline changes. You know, if you have a daughter, technically your bloodline will change once she gets married and right. follow her husband's bloodline. Um, but when we talk about traditions, those can be passed on throughout time, regardless if you have a child or not. So for women who have a hard time, put them in front of men who have, um, who have experienced male factor infertility. Yeah. Also suggestive um, thoughts. Um, kind of what I, when I was speaking with TJ last week is what I told her. Um, put them in front of the Instagrams and the YouTube channels of men who experience infertility. Right. My students on YouTube. And um, once you put them into that place, they learn that they're not alone. And hopefully they start to open up and start talking about it. Mm. And, and, you know, there are men out here who are starting to open up. It's not many. Yeah. But there are a few that are starting to open up. Um, so that they can see that they're not alone. And then the other thing is quit leaving the wife, quit leaving her to battle this alone. This is rough. Yeah. This is a couple's concern. It's not an individual concern. Um, so just in the sake of your marriage, don't leave your spouse alone in this battle. Because right. you're literally at war <laughs> trying to figure out how to have a child. Exactly. But then you deal with additional pressure from outsiders sometimes, which just makes it worse. I, I mean, I am thankful that a few people are speaking about male factor infertility now. And of course, things are changing where families are also open to other options uh, like adoption or surrogacy or donor sperm or donor eggs, if uh, applicable. Um, so I think things are changing around. It's not... Um, it's not all families that might try to bring a third party into the picture uh, anymore. And maybe also in certain places, I think people are getting more aware of um, the fact that there are options. So 
um, there's always uh, perhaps other ways to consider having children uh, than just previously, which was focused on naturally. But I don't think we're speaking about it enough. Uh, it's still taboo. Yeah. And this is worldwide, right? Like this is not just here, this is across the globe. Yes. And we're declining across the globe. Yeah. So, um, overall, it becomes a true health concern because why are fertility rates declining? That was my next question for you. Like, have you found out? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I did hear as well, male factor infertility is becoming an issue globally and is really rising. Why is that? I mean, is there something we do differently? What I can say is we don't live life as we relaxed anymore. Well, actually, let me, we're under more stress, but we're moving less. So lifestyles ah. changed where the human's health, human's health, human health has always um, incorporated movement. And we're not moving nearly as much as previous generations. Um, right. Not only are we not moving as much, we live in a high technological world that constantly interferes with our own health. And we don't know how our brain waves interprets the cell radio waves from the cell phones. Yeah. Um, we want everything to be faster. Microwaves are destroying of course. Um, our health. I don't know. So there are many things that are in, into our culture that are considered normal that are constantly affecting the way we think and the way our body reacts to certain things. And right. we don't pay attention to our body as much. Um, so we, we just live in a world where that's becoming unhealthier. And we're almost finding ways to make it less healthier. Um, right. Instead of working out, you can feel like you're working out if you put on um, the <laughs> Oh yeah, I know that, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm like, go for a walk, people. Just go for a walk. It's a walk. It's your neighborhood. Go explore. <laughs> but we don't even do that. Our, no, we don't. It's been get up, go to work, go home. Yeah, and then play some games when you get home. Sit down yeah. and, yeah. And we just don't live that same um, constantly moving lifestyle that we have in past generations. And this is all hypothetical. Hmm. I don't have a true answer, but based on what I do know about lack of movement, uh, yeah. technology, and the way we eat nowadays, hmm. it's, um, it probably has some truth in there. Right. You know, we're a meat-heavy culture these days, too. Yes, we are. You know. Lots of meat. And the meat is, has a lot of hormones in it now, right? Nothing is really natural. Exactly. I remember seeing my grandfather with two chicken thumb, two chicken drums, and um, a load of like vegetables and other stuff. 
Mm. Um, I couldn't say that it was the same for my diet. I changed it now. <laughs> yeah. Two chicken drums. I need about four or five. And- I know, right? <laughs> or go for only. I remember actually when I was, I used to live in Canada and it will go for unlimited wings, wing night. I just keep eating and eating and eating. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so things are different. Vegetables and fruit we ignore. Yeah. So. Even from kids, even for little kids. I mean, we even from, from when kids are young. We don't give them as much vegetables. I remember every time I see my niece and nephew, he keeps them pick out the vegetables out of the food because, <laughs> you know, we have to uh, make that change from very little. Yes. And I'm just like, this is not the way it should be. Yeah. So just in learning. Yeah. If there's a guy listening to you right now, because you know, I know you said earlier it's good to put men in front of uh, maybe YouTube videos or Instagram, so perhaps listen to a podcast where people are talking about male factor and fertility. If there's a guy listening and someone always been feeling less of a man and just not sure how to deal with this, I know we, I spoke about that a little earlier and you said to contact you, but in terms of how the person feels, like they feel less of a man, do you have any words for that person listening? You know yourself. Um, you before you knew you were ever infertile, you got to the road that you were on. You made whatever accomplishments you made. You were bigger than your infertility before you knew about your infertility. Don't get distracted by infertility. It's it's not always permanent, um, but sometimes it is. Therefore, you treat it as a health issue and work on your health um, no matter what and continue to live your life. But you're no more of a man or less than a man because you have children now. And you are great regardless. So don't fall victim of being less than a man because of your fertility. Really embrace who you are as a person and be strong mm. as a person and remember who you are. Right. Well said, thank you. No problem. And <laughs> now you're an infertility coach. I know you yeah. said that when you were initially diagnosed and you found out you're trying to seek out uh, counseling and most of the people you found were female-based. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to be become a coach? That path, that road was so hard for me. Mm. And I felt like I probably stayed in it longer than I should have. So the overall healing journey took maybe three years total before I was finally able to move forward and have some type of decision in my life. Um, And even when I was making decisions, 
I was still um, I was like no one should have to go through this alone no man should have yeah. to experience infertility alone and as I started looking at men I realized how much my wife was affected mm. and um, for her she was just people would come up to me like Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to hear it. How can I help you? How can I support you? And I'm like, step in the ring. <laughs> she is not the problem. It is yeah. me. And um, so it, be, it comes to this point where you have to protect your spouse. And that's amazing that you do that. Or you did that, rather. Oh, that was scary. Mm. I had to because you can't keep letting them take the brunt of it and the emotions of it. And it's like, it's not, it's not. And so um, I realized how couples and women are affected also by um, secondary male factor infertility. Yeah. And if we don't talk about it, if we continue to hide behind it and the shame of it, then we never overcome it in a healthy way. Um, there are couples now who have gotten children either through IVF, IUI, MBO transfer, or you can name the reproductive yeah. women, but they have not. Um, they have not overcome the pain that they had to deal with and going through that fertility. I believe that we have to deal with the emotional pain of it. And there was not enough met. There's very few male therapists even talking about it or coaches. Yeah. So we, it, I had to become this. I felt I had to be the person to help other people. Um, yeah. And since this was my avenue of helping people anyway, helping this way. Yeah. Um, so it was really just to offer support and and um, guidance towards the individuals and couples who are going through this journey. Hmm. It is not one that should be alone. No. You know, and oddly enough. Um, Last year and so far this year, I've been doing a lot of podcasts. Only mm. one of them with another male. So oh, wow. It's still, <laughs> it's still yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so men have to, they have to heal and it's hurting. I know it's hurting. Yeah. So we have to quit. Um, we have to learn how to overcome it in a healthy way. Yeah. And that's why I chose it. Also, thank you for choosing it because we need more of you, more people like you out there, for people to find support. Do you find that you becoming a coach as well as helped you as well in your healing? That's a good question. I don't know if it really helped me of my healing, but I am reminded of steps or things I went through Right. Um, 
and the part of infertility that no one understands or no one really puts together is that um, it will repeat itself if you try to have more than one child. Exactly, right? People assume yeah, because yeah. you had one, then hey, the second one is easy. But it's still the same journey. It's still the same. Yeah. Emotions. You just hope that you've grown enough from the first experience to deal with the second one. Exactly. So, hmm. um, no, I'm often reminded of the steps. Yeah. So what will you say infertility has taught to you? Or how has it changed you as a person? As a person that made me open up, um, I was really, well, I wasn't a vocal person. You know, in general, I'm pretty quiet, um, introverted in my private life. Well, introverted half the time. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it forced me to open up about my own journey Mm. and be vocal and be an advocate and seek ways to help men. Um, men and women and couples. Um, it really helped me to seek that avenue and don't be afraid or ashamed to tell your story. We, at the end of the day, we all have a story and we want to be heard. Yes. But we have this superhero type thought behind our stories. Like, I came in and I saved the day. But we <laughs> yeah. talk about the pain that we experience and how that's affecting us and our mental health behind it. Um, yes. That's so, a huge part, mental health. Yeah. Yeah. So in general, it, it just made me open up and talk about it and not be afraid to talk about it. And in your journey, would you say faith played any role? Oh, I lost my faith. Hmm. Um, not permanently. But at the moment, um, I became upset. I became upset with God. And I was like, God, why did you do this to me? Yeah. I've overcome so much in life just to get to this point. And um, God must truly love us because... Um, Eventually, I had to use those same things that I overcame to help rebuild my faith. And through wow. different visions and dreams, he was showing me how he was still there for me. And even this world has its purpose. And it's a hard one. Um, to speak about male infertility is not easy. No. Um, regards to how many times you do. Um, in the same sense, in the back of your head, you're still wondering what are people thinking? Um, yeah. What happens to the, um, what if there's a male who isn't experiencing male factor infertility who is listening to this? And then 
at the same time, you have to like, this is my movement. This is my stand. This is where I stand. And nobody has to be forced to listen. So, um, but yeah, this path, my faith has, I given up on it and then it got me through it. Um, so past experiences helped me get through it. And then the rest is kind of blind. Yeah. You just walk it in blind faith and see where you end up. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. No problem. If it's a male or a couple, or female, anyone listening, and just wondering how you can help support them, what would you say um, how, how your services can be of benefit to them? What services do you offer? The course I have right now is called Barren Battles. And it's a nine-step program that goes through the grief and loss of infertility. Um, the first few um, sessions, we start off on being on one accord because mm -hmm. you have to be on one accord with your spouse in order to get, survive this journey. Right. The second step, we go through the grief and loss of infertility. And then the last step, we go through acceptance and family planning. And through those, um, and family planning could be whatever route you choose and or um, the decision to be childless. Right. So that's how I help support them. For them to get to know if it's a good fit or not, I offer a free consultation. And okay. we just get to know each other, see if personality-wise it'll fit, um, where we'll go during the sessions. And it makes the couple feel at ease. Right. Because in general, I just really want to help people overcome this. It's, it's rough. It is. And is all this possible virtually for people maybe that in Nigeria or Africa or, yeah, is it? Yeah, it's all virtual. Um, okay. Yeah, um, on my website, infertilityisinferior.com. Sorry, what's the website? infertilityisinferior.com. Right, okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll put that as well in the notes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, um, you sign up for the free consultation and you sign up for your session, you self-book. Um, and then there are like different homework assignments along the way that's included. Right. And then um, we go through the process and the steps. It's kind of led, it's led by the topic, but it's still led by the couple or individual, because right. it depends on how they're feeling that day. And we show okay. how, how they're feeling is affected, is related to um, infertility or is it not? Thank you. No and Brandon, if you had one quote or word of affirmation that helped you navigating your journey so far, would you like to share one with us? You are strong, 
you are worthy, you are a man. Well said. That helped me in many days. Very powerful, thank you. If you could go back in time to maybe, I don't know, 20 year old Brandon, what would you tell him? Ooh, we 20 year old Brandon has some maturing to do. Stop playing around so much. <laughs> um, stay focused and don't let anyone disrupt your path. Yes. Um, I think that was pretty, that was life in my 20s, trying to find my path and trying to um, get life together. Yes, I remember those days. <laughs> Stay focused is exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> For many of us. And, and as a rapper, Brandon, do you have any words of encouragement for other couples or male or anyone listening uh, dealing with infertility? Infertility is a couple's concern. Do not focus on it as an individual concern. Do not be so quick to try to find a solution. Be there and support each other and know each other's emotions and how you're feeling before you instantly try to find a solution. We often treat infertility as a medical concern, um, which it is, don't get me wrong, but there's the emotional aspect that we ignore until we're hurt hurting each other later. Do not ignore, ignore your emotions trying to resolve the medical. Wow. Thank you so much. No problem. That was really powerful. We all can learn from that and use that in our lives. Thank you so much for sharing. No I just want to thank you, Brandon. It's been amazing having you on the show today. This is such an important topic, talking about meal factor and fertility. We don't talk about it enough, and we certainly don't have enough um, support. So I'm so I was so happy to actually, you know, connect with you on Instagram and see the amazing work you're doing and raising awareness and letting people know they're not alone. There's nothing wrong with them. It doesn't make them feel less of a man. So I just want to thank you so much for all that you're doing to to just destigmatize male factor infertility and infertility in general. Thank you so much for all your work. Thank you. And thank you a lot for reaching out to me. So this has been wonderful. Yes, and thank you. <laughs> it is. It has been amazing having you on the show and I uh, look forward to having you again here in the near future. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.